Welcome everybody from all around the world. Welcome to this podcast, escaping the entanglements of our lives. You got yours, and I've got mine. <laughs> I'm your host. I'm Dolphus Q. I'm the originator and the creator of this podcast. Now, our lives, yours and mine, are easily entangled with distractions. <laughs> and if you reach a certain age, if you're fortunate enough to reach a certain age, your lives can be entangled with senior moments. <laughs> You got yours, and I've got mine. And this podcast is a way, a method that I come up with to maybe entertain, to help people all around the world deal with their entanglements and distractions as they live their lives like I do. Like I do, yes. So I'm dealing with an entanglement, one of my major entanglements, which is why I am reading and writing at the same time. (laughs) Yes, I'm reading and writing at the same time. And it is an exciting adventure. I'm having fun. (laughs) Now I know it's difficult to deal with some of our entanglements. We cannot do or we cannot we cannot do it alone. You know, there's a song, an old Christian song about I must, I must tell Jesus, you know, to help me, you know, bear uh, the burden. So there are some entanglements that we cannot deal with alone. And I would suggest professional help. I would suggest don't be afraid to seek professional help. There are professionals who deal with people like us, people all around the world, who are full of all these entanglements and it's just driving them to complete distractions. But I maintain, if you're following uh, this podcast, I maintain that we can (laughs) escape our entanglements. You'll be surprised what a few minutes on the yum yum tree (laughs) 
We'll do it for you. Now, you can reach me at DolphusQ at Yahoo.com, uh, DolphusQ at Gmail.com. I would, I, oh, at Q Dolphus, Q Dolphus at Gmail.com. And I would love to hear from you. How are you dealing with your entanglements? But now, as the walrus said, the time has come for the reading of the word. Episode 4, Continuation. Betty Ruth made her way back over to the sofa and sat beside Mr. Turner. Who is that with you? Betty Ruth wanted to know. Walking around in those smelly clothes, she laughed and added, He ain't running from the police, is he? No, no, Mama, he ain't running from the police, chimed Willie James. This is my new partner from Chicago. His name is Jimmy Dawkins. Everybody call him Dr. Ho. Jimmy looked uncomfortable. His eyes darted to the dirty carpet as Willie James continued. He got robbed at the bus station. Right there in the men's room, they made him take off all of his clothes and then threw them into the toilet. Jesus, Lord, cried Betty Ruth. Ain't nobody did that but somebody right here in Potter's Quarter. Mr. Turner raised his glass and took a swallow of gin. He screwed up his mouth and pushed out his tongue as if he'd just swallowed pure poison. He shook his head. Yeah, baby, you have to be careful around here in Potter's Quarters. You see why I lock my doors, Mr. Hawk? Asked Betty Ruth. Jimmy nodded. Yes, ma'am. Looked like Frankie's clothes might fit him, she said to Willie James. And then to Mr. Turner, what do you think, baby? You might have to roll up the legs and the sleeves a little bit and pin up the waist, but I think they'll fit. Betty Ruth told Jimmy that she would throw those wet clothes away. She would burn them. She told Willie James to take him into the bedroom and see if Frankie had any clo clean clothes back there. Jimmy followed Willie James through the house. The bedroom was the second to the last room in the house. It looked like it once had been the back porch. It was a rather large room, and it had been shared by Willie James and his two brothers, Frankie and Jesse. Frankie had been shipped off to reform school, and Jesse was up in Memphis visiting relatives. The room looked like a whirlwind had like a whirlwind had visited and left its calling card. The bare wooden floor was littered with socks and underwear and scattered with shoes and articles of clothing. The two bare mattresses on box springs 
flat on the floor, served as beds. One was barely covered with a twisted, dirty sheet. The ceiling was painted a dark blue. A blue light bulb hung from one of the joists. A closed line was stretched diagonally across the room. Clothes hung on coat hangers on the line. A group of black plastic bags occupied a corner. The room had one window, and through it, Jimmy saw the 1953 Buick. There was a sofa in the room that folded out to make a bed. It was covered with clothing. The walls were painted black and red. They were decorated with posters of James Brown, Jackie Wilson, and Wilson Pickett. A record player rested on top of a chest of drawers. A full-length mirror was affixed to the door. Jimmy could see Willie James in the mirror looking through one of the black plastic bags. This is where Frankie kept his clean clothes. Willie James selected some clothing, the essentials, plus a pair of trousers and a shirt. Here you go, Dr. Hulk. These might work. Jimmy accepted the clothing, but he was more than ready to strip off the wet, damp, smelly things he wore. But he felt too dirty, too unclean to put on fresh clothing. Say, man, is there a place I can wash up first? Willie James laughed <laughs> like this was something he should have thought of immediately. He shook his head. Hey, dog, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I should have known you would want to wash up first. Willie James led him into the uh, bathroom on the back porch. He rapped on the door and waited. After there was no response, he opened the door. It was small and rather crude compared to what Jimmy had been used to in Chicago. It had a toilet stool, a small sink, and a mirror nailed to the wall, and beyond them was a shower stall hidden behind a plastic curtain. There was a high, small window that provided light and served as a vent for the steam. There's a tower, and that's the soap, Willie Jane pointed. I'm going for a walk. I'll be back by the time you're done. Jimmy pulled off the wet clothing. Betty Ruth, Betty Ruth was right. He would throw them away. He got into the shower and turned on and turned the water up as hot as he could stand. He lathered with the soap and rinsed off four or five times. The water burned the wound on the top of his head like alcohol. He closed his eyes and turned his face up to the spraying waters. He felt lucky he had survived by the skin of his teeth and attacked from a fierce pack of animals. He was banged up, but he was alive and strong enough to keep pushing. But to where? Suddenly he regretted running away, but only for a moment. His regret was washed away by the truth. There were only two choices, run or face Joe Grimes. His heart began to beat faster. Water filled his open mouth and cleared his thoughts. What was he going to do now?
He was stranded on and on his own with borrowed clothes on his back. Jimmy pressed his lips together and shook his head. He turned off the water and opened the shower curtain and reached for the towel. He pulled the curtain shut. He began to dry himself off in the privacy of the stall. The towel felt good as he vigorously rubbed it across the surface of his skin, reaching and drying every inch of his body. He thought he heard something and stood on his toes and peeped out the window. He didn't see anything. He opened the curtain and immediately saw a young girl preparing to use the toilet. They both froze with wide, scratched eyes and open mouths. I'm sorry, she said. I knocked. Jimmy pulled the curtain back like he had something to hide. I'm sorry, too, cried Jimmy. I, I didn't hear you knock. I'll stay behind this curtain if you can't hold it. No, that's okay, she said. I can hold it. She left, and Jimmy hurriedly pulled on the clean clothing, and as expected, the fit was far from perfect. He mused up on the intruder. She was cute. She had to be a relative or a family member. He checked his reflection in the mirror. He didn't look like a new person, but he sure felt like one. He left the bathroom with the entirety of his old soft clothing gathered into a ball. He saw the young girl waiting. It's all yours, he said, and then asked, Is there a trash can somewhere around here? There's a trash pile out back, she smiled and closed the door to the bathroom. Jimmy opened the back door and walked down the steps. He saw a pile of rubbish and evidence of it having been burned at some point in time. He tossed the ball of clothing onto the pile. The young girl was leaving the bathroom as he started up the steps. Say there, uh, excuse me, are you Willie James' sister or something? Yeah. She smiled and started laughing. <laughs> I'm the baby girl. Well, I can tell you ain't no baby, Jimmy said in a flirtatious tone. But you sure got a baby cute face. Oh, go on, she said. I bet you tell that to all the girls. No, I don't, declared, declared Jimmy truthfully. You're the first one. They both laughed. Her name was Billie Jean. She was 16 and worked as a waitress at Pop's place. He told her his name and of his predicament and of how he came to be in the shower. I'm very grateful to your mother and your brother, and I'm very pleased to meet you. Although, I must add, you certainly caught me with my britches down. She, Billie Jean laughed. <laughs> well, I didn't see anything I haven't seen before. Jimmy blushed, and as Billie Jean continued, this will be our little secret, or rather, our big secret. They both laughed, and Jimmy blushed some more. So, are you hanging around for a little while? Jimmy nodded his head. Yep, I think I'm going to be here for a while. Good, we'll have a chance to talk some more. See you. Jimmy mused as she walked away. He definitely wanted to see more of her. He saw a glimpse of hope on the horizon. And with that, we've come to the end 
of episode uh, number four. I ask you to tell your friends all around the world about this podcast, Escaping the Entanglements of Our Lives, and to join us next Thursday for another episode. So long, everybody. <laughs>